Welcome to Chuck and Anthony Ragnatalk, the prestige format podcast all about the greatest film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Thor Ragnarok. I'm Anthony Carboni, sitting across the internet from Mr. Chuck Wendig. Hello, sir. Hello, Anthony. How are you? I am so good, Chuck. Yeah, so good. We're here. So good. We're it's, back. Uh, it's dipped below 90 degrees in LA. Oh, well, that's so it's fall for you. That's nice. Oh, man. I put on a I put on a scarf this morning and a Ooh. light jacket. Yep, and yep. Uh, had myself a hot cocoa because uh-huh. it was only uh, seventy seven degrees. That's good. A little apple cider warmed up to a, a hundred and twenty degrees. The garbage has a crisp fall smell. Oh, that's nice. Outside. That's nice. Yeah, does it sort of tamp down the pee smell, or is that just a New York thing? I guess LA doesn't smell like pee that much, does it? We don't, well, we get, we have areas. You have areas? You have pee areas? We have pee areas. Downtown okay. is a very pee area. Sure, yeah. sure. Uh, my neighborhood is not a particularly uh, urine-smelling area. I don't oh, that's mean nice. to brag. That's nice. You, you live, you're living the fancy life now. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to talk too much <laughs> about, you know, my success. Yeah, but you're living but, it. Uh, yeah, I'm doing it. Uh, this, Chuck, speaking of garbage piles. Mm-hmm. Speak, speaking of. And pee smell. Yeah. Uh, we're back on Sakar. We're back on Sakar. Garbage We're man. inside a Valkyrie ship. Yep. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but this is something that's going to tie in heavily with with stuff that I want to talk about this episode. Uh, the cool painted pattern on Valkyrie's ship. Oh, yeah. Is uh, Maori inspired. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think we talked about that last time, didn't we? I think we, we mentioned it. Yeah. I wanted to be sure that we mentioned it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of that in... We- in the movie, of course, because Taika Waititi is of Maori descent. He is a, a blessing upon us all. Can we just say that? Uh, we absolutely can. And we'll, can I listen, Chuck? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This 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 podcast is only about Thor Ragnarok. Only. We don't never Ragnarok. never. Yeah. But uh, uh, I got to tell you, as a as a Star Warsman. Mm-hmm. Oh, the uh, news. Oh. Oh, it the did news. my heart good. I need that in my life. It I did think- my heart good to know that Taika Waititi was was front and center and will be directing episodes of The Mandalorian. Oh, uh, it's good. Uh, it's very good. It maybe proves that like the universe or the simulation, whatever this thing is, uh, isn't glitching entirely yet. Yeah, but it's sometimes things go right. Yeah, maybe the Hadron Collider didn't ruin it after all. Ah, one day, Chuck, we're going to sneak into that Hadron Collider and we're going to oh, put man. everything right. Yeah, we're just going to put Thor Ragnarok in there. We're just going to do it. I, we're going to collide shit until it we're becomes gonna... <laughs> the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yep, we're going to get the Pet Avengers. That's uh, how we get it. Oh, God, I can't wait for the Pet I Avengers. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we didn't get to talk too much about the Pet Avengers. No, no. And we never will. Never. Don't ask us about episode Don't two. Don't ask us about episode two. Stop emailing us about Stop episode it. two. We won't talk about it. No, God. Uh, you'll just have to wait for our 13 episode prestige format Pet Avengers podcast. Yeah, right. Uh, but we are in Valkyrie's kick-ass ship. Yep. Uh, I love the weird space rock that's playing. <laughs> I know. That's, that is the joy of Mark Mothersbaugh. Yeah, she's just listening to like her weird space yep. road trip music. And yep. because it's Mark Mothersbaugh, he's like, yeah, I know what this sounds like. Yeah, he's like, I am that. I live that. <laughs> Let me tell you something about two decades of my life. Yeah. Uh, I also love all the junk food wrappers oh, in Valkyrie it, ship. It's basically my car, Anthony. But that's, yeah. And that's yeah. what I love about it is like, she's like, she's somebody who has a day job that requires driving around. Yes. Yeah. You, you know? And she gets fast food somewhere on that garbage planet. Yeah, exactly. She's like, <laughs> she's like eating on whatever the Sakaar version of Jack in the Box is. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, and I and I I just love it because it's yes, she's this super mythical space bounty hunter, scrapper, whatever. Yeah. She's super powered. She can take out everybody. But like her car is dirty because she yeah. has to work all the time. And that's just yeah. like one of the things I love about Thor Ragnarok. And she's drunk. She's just drunk. She's so drunk. So drunk. Just uh, like we are now. There's there's one interesting thing. I mean, obviously the yelling back and forth between them is cute. But the one interesting thing that you notice upon a second viewing is she, of course, calls Thor your majesty. Your majesty. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. And he does say that he's Thor, so, son of Odin of Asgard. But yep. she says, "Your Majesty," and because That's she knows, yeah, she knows, she knows. Uh, and then we get to see Sakar, the city itself. Yeah, the tower. And Talking, there's, some, there's some faces on that tower. There are some faces on that tower. Yeah. Uh, did did you recognize? How many did you recognize? Uh, I really only recognize Beta Ray Bill. Beta Ray Bill. Horse Thor. He's Horse Thor. Basically. In all of, <laughs> Horse Thor, Frog Thor. Yeah. Or regular Thor. Regular Thor. We need some more Thors. Who's your, yeah, who's your fave Thor? <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, you know what? It's a tough, it's a tough call, Anthony. I'm a big Beta Ray Bill guy. Beta Ray Bill is such a weird, yeah. So Beta it's Ray so Bill uh, was a little background. So the uh, the Tower of Champions that we see here uh, includes Beta Ray Bill, Man Thing. Oh, Man Thing! Right, 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 right. Uh, Ares. Oh, uh, another god, and then yeah. the Bi Beast. The Bi Beast. Uh, because being a beast is a spectrum, Chuck. Yeah, that is. I don't know much about the Bi Beast other than that. No, that's um, all. It's, it's, it's by Beast Visibility Day, I hear. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Beta Ray Bill, I do know a little bit about. Uh, Beta Ray Bill showed up in the 80s. Uh, he is an alien. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. the deal is uh, they wanted something that initially came off as a horrible monster, yeah. but then uh, was it actually a great hero. And so the deal is Beta Ray Bill was the first character in the comics, the first being that was able to wield Mjolnir. Mjolnir, yeah. And he, he kind of becomes good. But yeah. He also isn't, but then is. He becomes a horse Thor and he yeah. fights he fights S.H.I.E.L.D. a little bit because things are confusing sometimes when you're a superhero and you got to punch. So yeah, uh, he becomes one of Thor's staunchest allies and something that's sort of uh, relevant to people who are fans of the MCU. Obviously... Beta Ray Bill has to give Mjolnir back to Thor. Yeah. At which point he is awarded his own hammer, which is called Stormbreaker. Sure. Stormbreaker, of course, being the weapon that uh, is forged for Thor at the end of Infinity War using Groot's arm. Yeah, by Peter Dinklage. By Peter motherfucking Dinklage. That's right. Because casting in the MCU just keeps getting better and better. It does. Uh, so yeah, so that's, that's the tower. Um, I also want to say, you know, you brought up the whole, the heavy metal, like the heavy metal magazine, heavy metal, the movie. This is it. Yeah. This This is is Sakaar. The city of Sakaar is so, it's the cover of a yes album. It is everything that this movie is. If it was the heavy metal magazine or movie, it would be uh, far dirtier than it is in the, but, uh, you know, it's not because it's Marvel. It's for kids. It's at least sun. Yeah. It's. It's sun bleached and dirty, and it looks like maybe there are some untoward things going on. Right. But, uh, you can maybe, pretend. Maybe. But we'll never see that. No. No. Just like you'll never hear episode two. Um, no. Stop asking. Seriously. Uh, after we see Sakar and the Tower of Champions, 
we go back to Asgard. Oh. Uh, something that's that's kind of interesting that somebody pointed out to me yeah. over Twitter uh, is the first time Hela shows up uh, in Asgard. Uh, the notes that play behind her are Galadriel's theme from the Lord of the Rings. Oh, that's nice. Mark Mothersbaugh threw that's that a, in a little bit. That's a, that's a weird little, this is a weird sequel to the Lord it, of the Rings. That's all this is. It ties it all together. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait until Disney buys uh, the actual family, the yeah. Tolkien family. The Tolkien family, they keep them like the collector does. In and then of the they Galaxy. are part of the, uh, the yeah. Marvel Cinematic Universe. Literally kept in a jar. Uh, Hella just, once again, just uh, scenery chewing. The delivery on her first line. Oof. It's come to my attention that you don't know who I am. And it's said in just such this howdy way, like, I guess we're doing this kind of a thing. Yeah. Her, uh, Kate Blanchett is, is so good. And then she, when she turns around, what's great is when she turns around and you, you're behind her and you see pretty much everybody in Asgard is there. Uh, she looks just like Loki. Yes. Green cape, the, the long, dark hair. If she had those golden horns, man, it would be. And of course, she has her own horns. Uh, but she's almost. What's fascinating is because Loki is not in the bloodline, in the lineage, but she is almost more his sister than Thor's sister. Absolutely. You can look at them. I mean, you want to talk about a continuum of good to evil. <laughs> yeah, there it is. There it is. It literally it is. does it. And yeah. it's. I love that. They don't know who she is. Yeah. But she did come out of the Bifrost. Yep. Uh, she did. There's there's a dead dragon. She killed two of the warriors, <laughs> three. Sure. Um, so everybody, they don't know who she is, but the entire army of Asgard is keeping a distance. Yeah. And a, which a, I a love. close eye. Yeah, close eye. Yeah. They're just like, mm, <laughs> yep. we don't want to get too close. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, is interesting. I like that she's playing with her nails in like a yeah. very theatrical way when she's sure. talking. But uh, and she 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 announces herself too as the goddess of death. And the question I have about that is, uh, who who decides that? Like Odin <laughs> has children, and is there like I mean, are they just handing out like godhood categories? Like because there's you know god of lightning and god of like trickery. Yeah. And- well, when you look at when you look at the MCU or or the Marvel uh, yeah. Aesir. The, the the Norse gods, they're not really gods, right? Yeah. So they're giving themselves titles. They're almost like royal titles. Yeah. So like Thor is the god of thunder because his dad gave him thunder hammer and now he's thunder <laughs> hammer boy, right. right? So yeah, Odin Lo- just made that happen, yeah. Yeah, Loki's trickster god because like what the fuck else would he be? Yeah. Um, and so Hela, I guess, uh, you know, goddess of death is given to her as a title because of things that we are going to find out later. Yeah, she earns it, as it turns out. She yeah. earns it very well, yeah. Things that we have already seen. Uh, it's kind of like being one of these North Norse gods is is kind of like giving yourself your own nickname, which is a little, ugh. Yeah, you but know? I guess you do have, like, they're like, they make you earn it. Yeah, they do, but like, I don't know, don't give yourself your own nickname. No, if I can give no. you one piece of life advice, don't, don't do try to nickname yourself. It will always well, If go you had wrong. a nickname, like what would it be? I, I can't do it. I can't you, do you, that. See, you can't do it. It's not right. Uh, it, it, like, it makes you want to throw up. It's strange. You know, obviously, like I don't have I don't have a nickname that's like a superlative. I mean, obviously, like yeah. you're a Chuck, and to sure. my family, I'm a Tony. Oh, are you really a Tony? Yeah, just to just to people in my just family. Just to the family, yeah. Yeah, or people who knew me before I was 10. 
Oh, yeah. See, I was Charlie to those people. Yeah, right? And it's like, yeah. if somebody calls me, if somebody says Tony in public. You know and it's who they not, are. <laughs> and the voice print isn't recognized. Yeah, you're out. I don't, I don't turn around. I don't no. even register it as somebody who's trying to talk to me. Yeah, and if they are talking to you, they'd be like a fucking alien. You'd be like, no, this is a trap. No. Nope. Something's wrong. I'm out. Mm-mm. That's Mm-mm. not it. Uh, yeah, it's like, so there's, there's this really weird... Uh, Beverly Hills 90210. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Only a Thor Ragnarok podcast. So Beverly <laughs> this is Hills only a Thor Ragnarok podcast. Yeah. Good. But on the uh, on the classic television series Beverly Hills 90210. Yeah. Uh, there is an episode where where Donna finds herself alone at home with somebody who is unsafe. Sure. Who is? Oh, or I think it's like she wants to be a singer, and there's like a producer that she's in the home of. A predatory producer. A sure. predator who is about to yeah. do a bad thing. Uh, and she calls up uh, her boyfriend, David Silver, mm-hmm. uh, and and keeps calling him Dave on the phone. Oh, just to sort of give him a little like, hey. Yeah, it's just like something's wrong. not right. And he yeah. hangs up the phone. He's like, nope, I'm going over there. Nobody ever calls me Dave. Yeah. So if you call me Tony, I immediately, I'm going to go into military mode. Yeah, see, I would do the opposite. If someone like called me Charlie or just Dave, whatever they called me. Uh, I would be like, this is like a trap. I'm not going over there. I don't know yeah. what this is, but she's been taken. She's she's like a shapeshifter now. Have you I'm been babaducked? Yeah, have you been babaducked? Are That's you babaducked now? Are you babaducking? You've been you've been straight ducked. Yeah. Have, have uh, you noticed that uh, Gritty is uh, the new Flyers mascot? Is very babaduck. Oh God, yeah. So like he's one like of the first a, things I noticed. Yeah, that's so good. He's he's also very uh, HR puff and stuffy. Yeah, like, yeah. Gritty seems left over from this period in the late 70s, early 80s when uh, people wanted to make cute things for kids but didn't understand what the aesthetics no, of get cute it. were yet. Yeah, so they put like teeth in, human teeth, and like yeah, big eyes, like freaky. Yeah, Gritty definitely business. looks like he's from the Chuck E. Cheese era of like, come oh, play with is. me, children. Yeah, I, nope. lo- I, I love him. I love- my, my, my son loves him. He's seven and he's like, I... I I love gritty. He'll just say that sometimes. I love gritty. Gritty is very, yeah. gritty is very of the moment. I feel he's of the moment. He's, he's very moment. now. He's uh, the monster we need. He's <laughs> uh, one of the things that uh, one of the next things that Hella says that I really love is, uh, well, actually, first let's do this. Hella is greeted by our third of the Warriors three, Hogan the Grim. Oops. Uh, Tadanobu. Uh, Asano plays Hogan the Grim. Hogan the Grim is the only member of the Warriors 3 that is not Aesir. Yeah. Uh, he is just serious and cool. Yeah. Uh, and you're maybe hoping like, hey, maybe Hogan's gonna like survive. Nope. nope. Just spoiler warning. No. Nope. Spoiler warning. Once again, for all th- all seven of the people that really love the Warriors 3. Yeah, they're just, it's a it, sad movie for them. It's not gonna happen for you. <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. Um. But one of these things is, uh, whoever you are, he says, whoever you are, like, give up now. Yeah. Uh, and she immediately flies into, like, a whoever I am. To, like, did you listen to a word I said? I know. Yeah. Which is hilarious. Uh-huh. But then she says something that I really love, and it seems very genuine and sad, which is, I thought you'd be happy to see me. Yeah. I think she means it. I think she really means it. I think there is this, like, Marvel is getting better at giving their villains human motivations. Yeah, and especially, you know, someone who identifies, self-identifies as the goddess of death. Uh, to still be a character 
is a trick. I mean, that's a feat to pull off. That's a difficult one. Yeah, you compare this to, like we said, uh, uh, a sentient suit of S&M armor or, you know, um, the Red Skull or any of these like phase one, phase two, you know, Whiplash or the Iron Monger or any of these early Marvel villains. Um, It is really amazing to see Hela who is like, no, I'm coming home. The the people of Asgard want me to come home. Yeah. They want me- yeah, they want me to lead them to glory. They're going to remember yeah. me. Yeah. Like, they're obviously going to remember me. So right. I, I love that. And it, it makes it much more believable and interesting when she then turns around and decides, like, well, it's time to kill the Asgardian army. Yeah. Whereas, like, a phase one Marvel villain would be like, I am here to kill the Asgardian army. <laughs> Why? I require power. Yeah. Because exactly. murder and power and death. Yeah. Like, she's, she, she's sad and she's hurt. Yes, yeah. And uh, this ties into sort of both what I love about Thanos and what I was sad uh, seeing in Thanos is that Thanos is another character who arguably, you could argue he's the protagonist of Infinity War. Uh, But he has motivation. He's there for a reason. Whether it's real motivation or whether he's actually a sociopath who has sort of gilded his sociopathy in this kind of moral crusade. Uh, But I did miss from the comic and I thought seeing Thor Ragnarok, I'm like, here it is, because he falls in love with what the goddess of death, and he's trying to impress her. Yes. That's the whole purpose of the comic. Uh, and I really thought they would sub Hela in that role, because I would murder half the universe for Hela, probably. I mean, like, sorry. Sorry, everybody. But I would. Yeah, like, listen, there are a couple things that this is going to tick off the list. Number one, yep. resources. Yep. Number two, uh, love. Yep. Love of perfect lady. Love of perfect lady. Love yeah. of perfect lady. And uh, mm-hmm. that's it. That's my checklist. It's a two-point checklist. You could say head antlers. Three, head three. antlers. Head uh, antlers. Yeah. I, you know, I'm always, as a as somebody who's been a fan of Marvel Comics for a while, but also understands you have to adapt things in a way that makes sense for the medium. I'm always interested in how the sillier aspects of the Marvel universe are going to be taken care of, explained, worked yeah. around, you know. And I re- also, they're still true to their thing, unlike in the DC universe. Yeah. Uh, they're still a silly, but like they're treated seriously for all their silliness. Like one of the things I really enjoyed about Iron Man 3 that a lot of people didn't enjoy about Iron Man 3. Those fools. Was the Mandarin. Yeah. I love it's, that. It's hard to do basically like when they said the Mandarin and like all let's let's be real, all 20 yeah. Iron Man comic fans from the classic <laughs> Iron Man comics. Like yes. new new Iron Man stuff is great, but let's be real, like the classic MCU Man. started, like we said, with a character they knew nobody would want to option. Yeah. But they could finance themselves. Yeah. So like Iron Man was not a huge deal. Uh, the Mandarin is like this very, you know, 50s and 60s Fu Manchu style, yeah. beware the Asian man sort of right. trope. You know, Chinese wizard, what does it mean sort of thing. And it's like, yeah, dude, yellow menace stuff. Yeah, creepy, creepy. Don't Couldn't do that now. Don't do unless, this. Yeah. Uh, so doing the Mandarin the way they did the Mandarin was very interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, so I was kind of like you. I was looking forward to seeing Infinity War because I was like, this dude literally just wants to have sex with death. Yep. Yeah. L- literal death with a skull head. Yeah, what a glorious metaphor. What a great thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh so I was I was 
I do like his re his his reimagination as like no, I'm the savior of the universe. Yeah, I'm a good guy. I'm the good Wait. guy. Although, like, listen, if you're such a great scientist and researcher, Thanos. Yeah, do some math. Do you, yeah, do you understand how like exponential math works? And yeah, population even my, son, my son came out of that. He's like, I don't think that makes sense. I'm like, well, I mean, no, not really. You've bought a generation. <laughs> yeah. That's what you've yeah. bought. Yeah, like you would have to like. I think the math is like you would have to kill eighty percent of the living stuff. <laughs> Yeah. To bring us back to like uh, a sustainable. Anyway, this yeah. is only well, about a, Thor Ragnarok. No, we have a 13, maybe 26 part. In yeah, yeah, yeah. War. Well, it'll be great. <laughs> it'll, it'll be great. You're going to love it. It's going to yeah. be wonderful. Uh, don't ask us about it. So yeah. here's uh, so here's what's up. She flies off the handle and here's where yeah. we see her infinite yeah. fucking dagger power yeah. for reals. Yeah. Uh, and Hogan, of course, does not make it. No, 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 no. Uh, the one thing that I do love about this fight, uh, the same way that when you show uh, when when we first see Valkyrie, she doesn't just use gadgets; she actually like throws some dudes around to let us know how strong she is. Yeah, um, we see Hela get straight up impaled. Yep. So we know it's not just that you can't touch her because she's such a great fighter, and this is a really this is a really well done fight scene. There are a couple times where you're looking at it and you're like, "Oh, that's computer Hela." Yeah, but for the but most part, it's very good. For the most good. part, it flies. The um, the in the script, by the way, uh, screenwriters, great screenwriters, Christopher Yost, Craig Kyle, a- Eric Pearson. Uh, the the short description of this scene, or most of it, is in a symphony of spectacular terror. Hella proceeds to decimate the entire regiment, a tornado of carnage, a legendary massacre. I love that. I want that on my grave. I love <laughs> like, that. Get yes, that on my grave. Some of my favorite, like, there are definitely uh, a few different ways to write action in screenplays. And yeah. the the way they sort of do it, or the, the sort of house style in the Marvel Universe, which is why I think, uh, once again, I really like Iron Man 3, is because it's such a Shane Black movie. Uh, and Shane Black's scripts are famous for this. Yeah. Um, it used to be that you would you would sort of not choreograph but give all of the main points of a fight scene, right? Yeah, just so you know exactly where it's going to end up. It's a little bit of a ballet. We're going to move here, move there, and then yeah. it's over. So Hela does this, she does this, uh, yeah. she pulls off this sort of move, this sort of thing happens. But Shane Black actually became famous in Hollywood and kind of created this sort of style of screenwriting where uh, I think in I think in like the first Lethal Weapon or the first Shane Black, like, it literally says, and then some fucking crazy shit goes down, and you know these dudes can handle it, or something yeah. like that. Something original, like that, yeah. It was, cra- and it was literally like that. Um, yeah. And it was basically Shane Black handing to the director, here it is, do the action scene. Yeah, I trust you. Because he also knew you're going to change it anyway. Yeah, you're going to change it and the, the actors are going to bring their own thing to the table. You're going to hire a certain kind of fight coordinator. You're looking for a certain thing that the script doesn't have to address. Mm-hmm. What I know as the screenwriter is this has to show, number one, Hela is unstoppable. Yep. Uh, number two, Asgard is decimated. And number three, uh, Hogan the Grim is just yep. nope. Nope. One, it's, it's fascinating <laughs> because that sort of lends itself for the actual old school Marvel house style of writing comics too, which was very much like let's get 
images on the page, and then we'll kind of do the rest of it after that. Like, yeah, it was very that, art forward. It's not quite that way now, but that, I mean, that old kind of Kirby and John Ramita yeah, thing, where absolutely, it's, where it's like I'm going to draw the layout, and then you go ahead and fill in the dialogue, and yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> Yeah, the story will be there. Yeah, uh, so I really love it. Um, she destroys everyone. Uh, except. Except for Scourge. Except for sweet, sweet Scourge. Sweet, sweet Scourge, uh, who is now really seeing what he's signed on for. Yeah. Um, welcome aboard, Scourge. Welcome aboard. And then, just a, a, a real brief flash. Yep. We see a hand take the sword from the Bifrost. Yep. Ching. And we know that Heimdall is alive and well. Uh, thank God. Thank God. And I'm sure he will continue to be alive and well. Certainly, everything will be fine from here. It, fine. I don't. I have no knowledge of anything bad happening to him. So, Chuck, uh, one of the things that we're doing, my wife and I, for Halloween that we do mm. every year is we do 31 days of horror movies at our house. Oh, okay. Go on. Um, the rules are not incredibly strict. It's just 31 movies. So like some days we'll do like a short film or something like sure. that. But sure. one of my favorite things to do that I've just started doing this year that really annoys the hell out of my wife and mm-hmm. cracks me up every time <laughs> Yeah, is at the end of every scene yep. in every horror movie, I just go, anyway, I'm sure things are fine now. <laughs> Because they always are. Yeah, and nothing is more annoying or pulls you out of a horror movie more than that. And I literally do it every three minutes. Every time, every time. Unless it's a movie that we're seeing for the first time. Oh, that's why, that's nice of you. Yeah, although I did do it, I did do it during The Witch and it was my first time seeing The Witch. I was like, anyway, (laughs) I'm sure everything's fine now. (laughs) It's all good. Credits roll. Yeah, and then then they got along and they started respecting women and children and the props came in and they were good. Play the Seinfeld baseline and we can go home. Uh, uh, hey, Anthony. Hey, you know Chuck. That I had a, a horror film premiere on Sci Fi. It was on, it was, yeah. Weekend. It was last Isn't week. It was Saturday, right? It was Saturday, yeah. How, I just want to say that. How did the premiere go? It went well. I mean, I don't know numbers and I don't know when I know numbers, but everybody seemed to like it. And that's, you know, that's all I care about. This is your Twitter movie. It's a Twitter movie. I tweet things and they happen. Uh, so if anybody hasn't heard about it, tell us about it. And are, are they going to keep showing it on sci-fi throughout the month? Uh, it's going to air again this weekend, I think, but also it shows up on, um, on demand, which is nice. And it'll eventually end up on VOD. Uh, it's a little movie called you might be the killer, which I'm speaking to you, Anthony, you might be the killer. It, that's, well, I don't know. That's the reputation I'm trying to cultivate. So thank All you. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, congrats, man. That's awesome. Thanks. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. It's, it's. What I love about it is like we we talked about it a little bit before, but um, just like the cast and the people involved are so many of my favorite people yes, from like yes. horror and genre TV and film, and yep. so that must have been like very very it's like, so wonderful good. to see. Yeah, and Allison Hannigan playing Chuck. Yeah, because I mean we do look alike. We've never seen us in the same room together. It's, <laughs> it's Allison Hannigan and Fran Kranz, right? Yeah, yeah, and then a little little tiny cameo from Keith David. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's awesome, right? man. That's like, that's horror royalty right there. That's, we that's we legit. rewatched the thing and I was just like, look at baby uh, Keith David. Baby Keith David. That movie is the, one of the greatest horror films of all time. That is, oh God, that is one of my favorites. It was my wife's first time watching it. And uh, she had somehow, she had somehow just missed it. She's a huge horror buff, but you know, everybody has these little holes in their, in yeah. their uh, pantheon. 
And she watched it for the first time and she was like, that was so fucked up. I was like, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was. And she's <laughs> and just watching that first, the last scene with somebody who's watching it for the first time oh. uh, as an adult. Like I've never watched this thing, thing with an adult who had not watched the thing before. <laughs> and it was this beautiful gift to watch the last scene. And she's like, wait, but if, so if <laughs> yep. one of them, yep. but uh-huh. both of them couldn't, but not both of them. But they could both be fine. I was like, yes. I was like, and she's like, what year? And I'm like, 1982. She's like, this movie makes so much sense. Yeah, it does. It <laughs> does. And it's a, one of those great examples of a remake that is it, it, a thousand times better than its, than oh, its yeah. uh, original. Yeah. But it's it's one of those things, like, as we're rewatching all of these movies, there there really is something, The Witch as well. Yeah. Um, all of these movies... Amer- we're like especially as we're watching American horror versus like Asian horror and European horror. Oh yeah. Um, European horror is much more um, experiential and dreamlike. Sure. Very dreamlike. It's much more like being unsettling in the moment. Yeah. Uh, American horror is very much like, hey, it's visceral. It's in your face. It's visceral, but it's 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 very much like, hey what is the subtext of what people are afraid of right now? Yeah. And how do I turn it into some monster or some thing? Well, what I think, I see what you yeah. mean. No, what, I, what I love about that though is I don't know that the creators are always aware of that as they're doing it. It's just a thing that has become, I think, second nature to American yeah. Although I think storytelling. When, when people are aware and they're artful about it, because another, another favorite that we watched was The Fly. Mm. Um, and the fly is so good just because like, uh, Jessica was watching the fly for the first time and she was like, oh my God, this was the middle of the AIDS scare. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it absolutely was. Yeah. Uh, she's like, this is crazy. I was like, yeah, it's the best. Welcome Uh, to American anxieties laid bare in heart. Yeah. And then Japanese films are much more about, um, Feelings and relationships that are sure. that are turned that are turned bad other. in a way. Yeah. Um yeah. anyway, this is just about Thor Ragnarok. Thor, yeah. What? What? Um this is one of mm. my favorite sequences, five minutes in all of film. Ever. Ever. And can we just say this needs to be a Disney ride now? If there is not, whenever all of the weird rights issues with Marvel Land clear up, yep, and they can use every Marvel character, if the this. Thor ride does not start with this sequence, yeah, what what are we here for? Fear not, Anthony, for you are found. Oh, so this is uh, Willy Wonka, obviously. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it really. Is. It's ripped from the boat ride of Willy Wonka. Straight up. And this is basically, uh, like you were saying, these screenwriters and Taika going like, look, at some point, we have to explain Sakaar. Yeah. How do we do it? How do we do do it through context? How do we do it through, uh, how do we do it through action? You know, you're always thinking as you're writing, as you're writing screenplays, you're always like, well, I can't just, you don't want to have somebody deliver exposition. No. Usually. Unless you can have a fucking disembodied Willy Wonka Disney ride deliver the exposition. Yeah, for the king of all narcissists. Oh, of course he has this, uh, this onboarding ride. 
Yes. <laughs> this this freaking orientation day ride that's all oh, about the, him. The, the the voiceover of it is just so pricelessly weird. Now I looked <laughs> for who did the voiceover for this, and I cannot I see any. I cannot no. find her credited anywhere. I know. I want to know because you bet it's probably like somebody. It's somebody, and she is amazing yeah. at doing this like disembodied, cheerful, weird, just like. Yeah. Fear not, for you are found. Like, yep. oh, it's so good. Yep, yeah, but it's like you are home and there is no going back. But then followed by no one leaves this place. Yes. Um, oh, it's so good. And wonderful. Uh, I love the, Sakaar is the home for lost and unloved things. Uh, nope. I love nope. this because it's this island of misfit toys myth that I always really enjoy in yeah. in stories where it's like, hey, don't worry, you didn't belong anywhere. But here's a great place to be because everyone belongs here, which like any place that tells you that is normally lying to you for some reason. Yeah, that's totally like cult love bombing stuff. Like you suck, but you're amazing. Yeah. What, what? Uh, what just happened? That's another thing that comes in. Um, you Here on Sakaar, you are valuable. You are loved. No one loves you more than the Grandmaster. Uh, another thing that came out uh, around the same time, of course, The Last Jedi. Uh, yep. Kylo has a very similar thing. Uh, you have no place. You have no place in this story. Yeah, you're no one. You're no one. You're nothing. But not to but not me. Not to me. Yeah, it's total negging. Um, you know, pickup artist. Ugh. And then also, uh, Jessica Jones with Killmonger has oh. a, has a very similar thing going as well, uh, which is this like, no, no, no. I I love you, and you're wonderful to me. I just you just I think you're important. I see yeah. the value in you. Why yeah, won't you just do everything yeah. I say? Yeah. So you can be the va- as valuable as you are. This is a real trend in villainy right now. Yeah, I wonder why. Andy. Why could that be, Chuck? Why could that be? I don't know. If only we had examples in life where there were men. Is there some like sort of thing happening in the zeitgeist Jeez. right now, knowing what we just discussed about American storytelling and American yeah. horror? Jeez, no, I can't. I just can't think of anything. Hopefully, the history books will figure it out. Uh, one of the things I really did love about Jessica Jones uh, and why it's my favorite Marvel series thing, yeah, uh, is that the villain really is just an entitled internet idiot who has yeah. the ability to get everything he wants. <laughs> yep, whenever he wants it. And it still doesn't work. The purple man still doesn't get everything he wants. Yeah. Really. It's, he's still just as sad and, and whiny and desperate yeah. as ever. Um, yep. There are lessons here for who? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, hmm. So what I love is in the background of this ride, as they're talking about the Grandmaster, there's some real animated Goldblum yeah. silhouette work that I like love. Like a du- 007 kind of business. Yeah. Like, <laughs> hey. It does have that classic 007 yeah. feel. Uh, and then you are now meeting the Grandmaster. In five seconds. And then chaos. Just just madness. It's just, once again, the Willy Wonka ride, man. You are plunging into hell. Yeah, there is the it turns into the, the there is no earthly way of knowing part of the ride. Um <laughs> and then he's screaming in yeah. silence in a room where everybody's just hanging out. Yep. Which is always just a funny image. Oh, so good. The just the image of somebody overreacting because they don't know what's going on in like a room yep. full of people hanging out like some of them have drinks. And I like he plays it just that right beat like too long, like not too long for us, but too long in the world where he's just like screaming and then it kind of dies. It's just like, oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, I, I didn't see you there. 
So now we have the Grandmaster. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh. The great the, you know what I love about this movie is every introduction is the best introduction. And everybody who's filling their role is the best at filling their role. Like on the one hand, I want to be like, well, this is clearly a Tessa Thompson fan podcast now, but also it's got to be a Jeff Goldblum fan podcast. Oh, and it is. And yeah. it is. But that that's you never wastes a moment, loves every character. That's what this movie is. I just like why would we introduce somebody if we can't give them an entrance and a reason to be and a cool yes. thing to do? Yes. Yes. Why Why just, why just? have a character just show up? What a waste no. of time. There is no uh, lost economy on awesomeness. They maximize their awesomeness at every given moment. Uh, so to talk a little bit about the Grand Master uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the Marvel comics and in the larger sort of, Positioning yeah. within the MCU. The Grandmaster's sure. name is Endwe Gast. Uh, he originally appeared in Avengers number 69 in 1969. Double nice. Double nice. And that's Jeff Goldblum right there. That's that's pure Goldblum. Yeah. Uh, he is one of the elders of the universe. Yep. Uh, the collector's one, isn't The he? collector is yeah. also yeah. one. Uh, they're sometimes referred to as brothers. Um, Though whether they are actually brothers or have just decided to be brothers or are using it figuratively is kind of left uh, a little malleable. Um, The the elders sort of are these beings that appeared at the beginning of the universe and the beginning of time. Yeah. Um, The Grandmaster in the comics is uh, this weird sort of blue... Oompa Loompa, Mixius Pitlick looking guy. Yeah. He's like a Slenderman, but blue and old man <laughs> hair. Sure. Uh, which Taika Waititi said on the commentary, like, if you paint Jeff Goldblum blue, you really run the risk of people confusing him with his character from Earth Girls Are Easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always a confusion. Uh, plus I'm always worried about that. Always yeah. worried about that. Plus, like, why paint somebody blue if you don't have to? Um right. So he is a master tactician. Yep. Is he is the master of games and strategy. All mm-hmm. of the elders of the universe sort of have uh their own power and yep. that is his. He also has energy control, size and matter manipulation and occasionally the ability to simply will the death and resurrection of living things. Yeah, I, I have all that too. That's just, I have. That's good. Now, the ability to will the death and resurrection of living things seems like the sort of power you really want to put a cap on as a yeah. writer. Uh, What's funny is the Grandmaster <laughs> in the movie appears to have none of this. None of these things. None of it. None of it. I, he's not even a like a strategi- like a strategist. I can't even find any. No, he has. No, there's no sense of how he got this role. He is. Te- I'm not sure he's that smart. He is technically the master of games. He's, yeah. Though we don't know that he's great at them. He's just no. sort of the guy who runs them. He's simply present. Yeah. Um, what is interesting is uh, with the elders of the universe, um, there is this idea in the Marvel universe of uh, celestials. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is kind of like weird, but if you look at the palace guards and the band, uh, the Grandmaster's backup band. Right. Uh, they are dressed 
in this armor that is the actual armor of Celestials in the Marvel Comics. <laughs> so in the Marvel Comics, Celestials are just these aliens that are like 40 feet tall and have these weird like Iron Maiden helmets on. Um, they usually wind up fighting the Inhumans. Uh, they're pretty powerful, but they're not really... They're not kind they're of not kind of anything. Yeah, they're yeah. not kind of used. the The term celestial is not used that way in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, we get the idea that perhaps all the elders are celestials, uh, which would mean like Ego, the Living Planet in Guardians would be Two, a sweat, yeah, calls himself a celestial. Right. Uh, which would mean the Grandmaster is probably a Celestial. Probably a Celestial, but he seems, again, to have no power. He seems to have no power. He doesn't seem no to have power. any, like... I mean, he hasn't learned a whole lot. <laughs> no. He doesn't seem to be super intelligent. Nope. Um, but you get no. the idea that the Collector does have some sort of power and knowledge. Yes. Although and he's savvy. Although he is kind of a coward. Yeah, he is a coward, but that's okay. Um, and he doesn't seem to, in the Marvel comics, the collect people are afraid of the collector because he does have some sort of cosmic powers. Like you don't want to fight the collector. No. Uh, but in the Marvel movies, they're kind of like, yeah, the collector's this guy who just has a museum that Howard the Duck is in. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, that's, where, that's where you keep Howard. So it's kind of interesting watching as they're building out the cosmic side of the MCU, what they're taking, what they're leaving, what they're changing. So, I like that they're not over um, prescribing too much uh, cosmic might to these figures, just because it kind of once you do that, it it starts to muddy. It's like the eagles with you know uh, not the band, of course, but in uh, Lord of the Rings, like why didn't they just fly? Yeah, just fly on a fucking eagle. Yeah, you're like once you start. I mean, obviously, there's ways to we could have a 13 part prestige podcast Listen, about somebody that with, argument. Somebody with an elvish tattoo usually yeah. pops up to somebody. explain why. Somebody. Give it, yeah, like 30 <laughs> seconds in our Twitter feed. I feel like uh, I've had that eagle thing explained to me in lore like yeah. four times and yes. I my eyes have glazed over every glazed fucking over, time. Glazed over, glazed over. Yeah, I just, I take a small There's, nap I, and I'm back. I love, I love, love, love the amount of detail and world building and just lasting the influence texture. and texture yeah. that uh, that has rippled across all, all of time, all of time, and all of fantasy that Tolkien and is responsible culture. for. Yeah, yes. I don't like reading Tolkien necessarily. No, I, I don't. I don't either. <laughs> and no one ever likes me to say that. But I, I have tried again and again to be like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna finally do it, Anthony. I'm gonna find, and then it just like, crack it in like ten pages in. You're like, nope. I remember. Like, nope. listen, I want no. to know. Like, I tried to read the Silmarillion. Because oh I, god like why would you that's do it like that's like the finnegan's wake of fantasy ooh, it's it's rough as a kid i got super into the chronicles of narnia sure uh just tore through them after i yeah. tore through them i was like what's next and my parents Tolkien. were like welcome to the lord of the rings motherfucker yeah yeah and you know when you have like a uh where your parents are geeky about a particular thing or are very into yeah. a particular thing and they present it to you you know, oh, uh, like it's special. Yeah, like on the uh, on the oh. equivalent of a velvet pillow, right? Yeah, there's a- angels carry it to you. They're just like here. This is a thing that I love, and I present it to you. Yeah, it's like it's like possibly more important than you, the child. Yeah, and then you like because one yeah. of the things is like I'm gonna have a kid, and I'm gonna be able to like do all the things with my kid that I already love. Sorry, there's a submarine yeah. approaching. Um, that happens. That happens. And the Looking back on it now, I can pinpoint the pained expression 
yep. on my yep. on my mother's face when Ooh. I told her I didn't think I was enjoying The Hobbit. You crushed her heart like a paper cup. It was she just was like, "Oh." Oh. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, uh maybe maybe try them again when you're a little older. Uh, yeah. They might be like just a little dry for you right now. We'll uh, we'll get you something else to read, buddy. Yeah. You know, yes, you you sleep on the lawn tonight. Uh, yeah, and then she disappeared for two weeks, uh, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, I had she, to learn to cook and fend time. for myself. That's okay. That's okay. Um, just, just like Frodo and Bilbo. But yeah, uh, there there are there's definitely rich, dense lore in sixty years of Marvel comics, and uh, yes. I'm glad that they're they're very good at knowing what to keep and what to throw away. Thank God. The fucking Grandmaster. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, man. Yep. Just yeah. sitting on his throne. Just being groovy. <laughs> just with his little like blue soul patchy looking paint. Yeah, his little blue stripe they gave is. him as as a little throwback to the comics. Yeah. Um, sitting with Topaz at yeah. his side. Topaz. Yep. Topaz, technically from Malibu comics. Interesting. Which is a co-owned Marvel thing, but I don't know if it's entirely owned. Yeah. Which brings up some interesting... Some weird crossover Interesting crossover things. Never happened. Could we perhaps okay. see a Prime movie? I hope not. Yeah, no. I hope never. I hope not. No, um, no, no. <laughs> don't even use... You shouldn't even say that. Don't even Anthony. say that. If you say no. Prime three times... A hundred unsold copies of it show up oh, in a short sad. box. Uh, Topaz, played Topaz. by uh, Rachel House. Yes. Okay, right? And she's from uh, Hunt for the Wilder Peoples. Yes. Uh, uh, she plays the child protection or protective services officer. Yes, she was. She is a blunt force of nature, and I adore her. She's amazing. She was also in uh, What We Do in the Shadows, briefly. That's right. Um, yep, briefly. Definitely, definitely in the Taika Waititi extended film family. Yep. Um, and there are a couple of those, uh, Carlo, cousin Carlo, who we're going to mm-hmm. meet soon, uh, soon. and briefly, uh, briefly. So, so very briefly is Stephen Oliver, who is known yeah. in Australia for, uh, having a series, uh, a sketch comedy series called black comedy, which is an entirely, uh, it's entirely written, uh, directed and casted, uh, with, uh, people of color and indigenous people, um, in Australia. So he, uh, he is, a known quantity in Australia and is also somebody who knows Taika Waititi. And Taika Waititi really makes it a goal uh, and especially made it a goal on this movie to get as much Australian, New Zealand, indigenous mm-hmm. representation Talent. as possible, not just on camera. But, no, behind this, yeah, absolutely. But uh, in the crew and on set as well, uh, he, he gave an interview about it and was like, look, Movies like this don't get made here. They don't get made here very often. Yeah. When they do, it needs to be something that involves as many people from here as possible. Even if yeah. I even if it's just giving kids a day pass to the studio, like film students, high schoolers, a day pass to sit on set and watch yeah. a movie work. That Well, film is a giant ecosystem. Yes. Uh and so to do that and to place that there and then to you know actually kind of use it to scoop up a lot of the environment and the people there is a huge benefit. Yeah, and he made sure that uh in in Australia they're called attachments. Here they would be called internships or uh and usually those internships are given to production assistants 
Um, so these are people who work on film sets to get school credit and work credit and things like that. Uh, he made sure with the Australian Film Board that uh, a majority of those attachments and sort of uh, entry-level positions were given to Australian film students and Australian crew, and they got to shadow him and and work with him because it's like, hey, man, the one time, if you've ever lived in a small town or, uh, you know, even not even a small town, but just a place where movies don't usually get made and a movie right. or a TV show comes in and gets made, it's a huge deal that people wind up talking about for years and years and years. And being a part of that can really give people who wouldn't otherwise think so the feeling that they can be a part of it. And that's so important. Like a lot of these people probably wouldn't have even thought, oh, I could grow up and want to be on a film crew. Yeah. That's a job that's available to me. Yeah, now that's an option. Yeah, so- A a realistic option, not a fantasy dream option. Yeah, so that's really amazing. Uh, And and it's really, really cool that uh, Taika Waititi did that. Um, So here we get a little bit of just the the brilliance- of the Grandmaster in this initial... Mm. Uh, so good. The, their little banter, the, their little like biting back and forth, and his sort of like, he's kind of the nice guy in this situation, which is, he's obviously a monster. Yes. But he plays it so nice and so genial. One of the things that I love is people in great power are usually, uh, usually have the appearance in social situations of being super kind and unbothered yep. by things. Yes. Because they literally don't have to be. Yeah, they don't have to be. You can, there's no cost to them. You can say whatever you want around them. You can do whatever you want around them. And they can laugh because when they leave the room, they literally never have to think about you again. I know. And they can have you fired or destroyed. That's true. Like, so they just don't care. So they, it's, no, they, do care. they just give yeah. this appearance of being genial because it's like they're playing with puppies. Yeah. You know? and Power, power destroys people's. Brains, yeah, I think is what we're trying to say. It destroys your mind a little bit. But Jeff Goldblum is so good at doing this because he has he this, he has cultivated this personality of being like, oh, I'm just, I'm just this wacky genial. I've got a crush yeah. on everybody. I've got a crush on you. Aren't we all yeah, the he's best? He's both warm and aloof, right? That's a weird, usually it's cold and aloof. Someone is aloof and cold, but he is somehow warm and aloof. Warm and aloof is a great way to explain it where it's just like, ha 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 ha. And you're my favorite. My, all my attention is on you. And then literally the moment you walk away, I forget yeah. that you ever existed. Yeah. Who, who was that? Was someone here? Yeah. Um, but I do love the dynamic between Topaz, the Grandmaster, and Scrapper 142. Scrapper 142, baby. Um, just like, oh, what do I always say about her? She is yeah. trash. Trash, yeah, right. Just trash. No, booze hag. No. Yeah. No, I was saying no, best. I was saying best. And then he like turns to Scrapper 142 and he's like, no, no, I, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying about you. Like, it's just this like little heartfelt, like, no, no, I would never. No. How dare she? Uh, but I, dare she? I do love that there's this jealousy clearly from Topaz who is yes. the number two. Yeah. It was just like, I am tired of Scrapper 142 coming in and making me look bad. Uh, I do love, there are a couple great things. Um, she brought me my champion, yep. which the first time we hear that. There you go, okay. Who's that? But the second, we know. You know, as we, we know. watch the movie again, we realize, oh, what we're hearing is that Valkyrie can take down Hulk. Hulk, Hulk, yes. Valkyrie can yeah. take down the Hulk. Mm-hmm. So that gives us a little bit of context on Valkyrie. 
Um, yeah, because sometimes a whole city can't take down the Hulk. So that's a meaningful thing. I love all of his little mannerisms as his uh, as his chair sails forward. He's kind of snapping his fingers to silent jazz. Yep. yep. Uh, I also I, I also love the uh, he's wonderful. Is it a he? I know. Is it a he? It is a yeah. he. It's a nice little moment. Yeah, it's just it like, is. I don't know. I don't want to presume because there are so many yeah, species and creatures and who knows. Um, and you kind of almost feel like Outside of the sinister component, this is maybe Jeff Goldblum at his purest Jeff Goldblum. Like, you feel like if you were hanging out with Jeff Goldblum, he would be maybe a little bit that. So there's a bar here in L.A. called the Rockwell. It's mm-hmm. a bar and cabaret mm-hmm. stage. Okay. And every Wednesday, most Wednesdays, you can go and see Jeff Goldblum and the Milders- Mildred Snitzer Orchestra, which is his, okay. which is his jazz band. Right. Um, so when you see this is real, you're not you're not making this I'm, up. This is a real. I'm not thing. making this up. So when you see the grandmaster yeah. playing the keyboard later, Jeff Goldblum's yeah. really playing the keyboard. Uh, wh- That's amazing. When he sits down to play the piano during the fly, he's really playing the piano. Um, he is this like classically trained jazz musician and singer. When yeah. you go to the Rockwell to see the Mildred Snitzer Orchestra, if you show up 20, 30 minutes early. It is known you will just be hanging out at the bar with Jeff Goldblum. Oh, that's a good life. It's a good life for those 20, 30 minutes. And I can tell you his patter, his shtick as the grandmaster at a party yeah. is literally Jeff Goldblum. It's okay. See, that's I, then my instincts here are correct. Whether that's, that's Jeff Goldblum. his public persona that he's, that he's perfected and he's different when he's alone, I'm sure that's yeah. the case in some way or whether that's 90% his personality and then there's just like a little more when he's on stage. That's him. That's core Goldblum. That's it. Uh, core Goldblum. He felt like he was, we described his energy when Jessica and I were watching The Fly. We described his energy as like a harmless slimy. <laughs> like he has a crush on everybody in the room and he yeah. feels like at any moment he could lean forward and try to kiss anybody in the room. But he right, won't. But he, he won't. You feel like he wants to kiss you, but he yeah. won't, which yeah. is a very good vibe, right? That is, that is good. That's vibe. a good vibe. I have a crush on you. I'm not. I'm going to respect you. I'm not going to do anything. But you can feel. But it. you can feel that I'm definitely into you a hundred percent. There's a vibe. Yeah, a straight up. That's vibe. Gold Bloom. That is, gold uh, and that's the collector. Yeah, or the grandmaster. Sorry, or the grandmaster. Uh, but you know what? The casting in this movie is as such where. Uh, were I able to, I would have the baby of most of these people. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Or be it Goldblum's baby? Yes. Tessa Thompson's baby? Yes. yes. Any any Hemsworth child? I mean, that would be like, you'd be giving birth to a, a Christ child. The second I, I had a Hemsworth child, it would eliminate so many horrible things in no. my genetic line. So many, so many. So many physical and mental and emotional things. It would erase them. It would, they'd the, just the be gone genetics, immediately. Yeah, of the Hemsworth would take over. Uh, he'd be a Demi Hemsworth. A Demi Hemsworth, a Demsworth. A Demsworth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the control disc, I want to point out, is part of the Planet yeah. Hulk storyline. Yep. Uh, the, yes, it is. Uh, so when you see that control disc, that is definitely part of the Marvel comics. I, I, met, I met Greg Pak this week. Oh, shit, did you? I did, and he's just as lovely as you would think. I man, I love Planet Hulk so much. 
I love Planet Hulk so much. Man, did you tell him that we have a great podcast? <laughs> I did, and he just like don't talk. He's like, don't, don't. He's like, hi, hi, I'm Chuck Wendig. I have a podcast, and he's like, yeah. I wanted to talk to you because the first thing, because I know your work. Yeah, yeah. Decided not to talk to you because of the second thing. Yeah. Nope. And we're out. Yeah, I was out again. He then now he won't talk to me. He won't take my calls. But for that brief moment, but for that brief shining moment, we had a thing. We had a little rapport. Um. The uh, who who is this? And he's like, let me out of his chair. I am the god of thunder. Yeah. Oh, and you got little little sparkles. Is that sparkles. Got little sparkles. Yeah, little sparkles yeah. over here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love that, Carlo. As we said, Stephen Oliver. This. Yeah. Time to see the cousin. This is so good, Carlo. I pardon you yeah. from life. <laughs> from life. <laughs> the dumbest one-liner. Uh, so, he, he, Goldblum delivers it with such delight. Like, he knows it's terrible, and he just loves it. Uh, Thor's, oh my God. Like, Thor's never seen something <laughs> oh like this. God. Yeah, yeah. Just like, holy yeah. shit, you melted a guy. And then even the Grandmaster is disgusted by it. He's, like, trying not to step in it. Yeah. <laughs> And then as he's explaining what's going on, all of a sudden this turns into the most flight of the Concords thing (laughs) I think I've ever seen. It's very flight of the Concords. Just a party out of nowhere. It cuts to him. Party out of nowhere. He's all of a sudden playing this keyboard. Yeah. Which, God, it's so good because it's so, he just melted his cousin. Yeah. This is this is that thing that we were talking about before in the like in the first episode with the tension and relieving of tension and how much yeah. funnier things are when you get to laugh after a tense moment. Yes. And just yep. uh all of a sudden it fills the room right back up with oxygen that you can burn again. He's just tapping away his little keyboard. And I think I think a, a lesser director who didn't have the vibe of this movie would have put him in apropos to his name a grander situation, right? a massive stage, a huge audience, this party that's like forever and eternal CGI'd to the gills. But it's not. It's actually sort of an awkward, uncomfortable, like, just like this little like, hey, I'm just this rando. Well, it turns- Possibly like, if I were not the grandmaster, no one would come to my goddamn parties. It turns into scary dream. Yeah, it's very. Scary you know what I mean. Like this, none of this, none of this belongs. When you explain scary dream to a friend the next day, yeah. it's silly. Yeah, it's stupid. Uh, but it is scary. Um, yes. And this is that sort of like, you know, when, earlier when we were not talking about anything but Thor Ragnarok, but we were talking about sort of like European, Australian influenced sort of horror or imagery in film. Like, yeah. they just go with whatever whatever image is the most powerful, fun, whatever at the moment. Uh, they're yes. a lot more free with stuff like that. And so just jumping into a band playing situation when like, when you're right. And the, and the regular performance for a character like the collector would be your standard. I'm very calm. I'm very stoic. I'm sort of talking calmly and explaining yes. things to you, but then I get very angry. Yeah. It would be this really over the top dramatic sort of almost Shakespearean to go back to kind of the first two uh, Thor films. Yeah. It would be this over the top thing. And it's, it's over the top in its own different, very quirky, uh, Taika Goldblummy way. Yeah, where it's just like, oh shit, is nobody going to talk about the melty guy? Like, no, yeah. we're partying now. Shut up and party. Yeah. Uh, what Welcome are these? Twin Peaks in space. Yeah. What are these instruments, Chuck? I don't know. What are these? Space. I I paused and I kind of yeah. I kind of looked. I kind of zoomed in. I, I kind of watched back and forth. 
there's there's one that's just like a guy who's punching he's like <laughs> punching like a training dummy but it's drums sure. and they're lighting up yep uh there's yep. a guy who's got weird cables connected to his hands sure. that he's kind of just moving around moving around erratically yeah uh, yeah it's a very strange Chuck E. Cheese Five Nights at Freddy's sort of thing going on. Um, and I really love it. Uh, Thor is told he's going to be in the Contest of Champions. Yep. Contest of Champions has great significance in the Marvel Universe. The Contest of Champions was uh, basically the, the collector and, and gets a bunch of Marvel heroes together and pits them against one another. Yep. Uh, the contest of champions, like if you've ever played the Marvel contest of champions video game, it's like you collect Marvel characters and fight them against one another. Oh, is that, is that an app? It's, it's one of them apps. And I think you can get it on apps. I think you can get it on a console as well. Oh, okay, cool. But it was, it's, it's like a big deal and it has some, it has some weight in the Marvel universe. Um, and then (laughs) for my, one of my favorite little throwaway gags is like, I have to get, you know, I have to get back to Asgard. He's like, I'm sorry, Asgard? As- Asgard. <laughs> and he just looks so like, <laughs> no, I did, I said that. I'm sorry, you're from Asgard? Sparkles yeah. is And it's Asgard. exactly how uh, how uh, Odin says it. It is. Ironically, he says Asgard. And he's not joking. It's like, No, he, he means it. I think maybe Odin was joking. And, oh, man. And in a, grandmaster, in, a, in a grandmaster way, he was sort of daring people to say it. Like, yeah. it, go ahead. You, you shouldn't say it. You shouldn't say Asgard. Yeah. Odin. And yeah. And he's like, yeah. you're dead. Um, yeah, and then who's hanging out at this party? Super safe. Nothing ever touches no. him. Our buddy. Nothing, nothing will ever touch him. He'll be fine. He's gonna be fine. Loki's gonna be fine. He and Heimdall are gonna party. Listen, forever. nothing bad is ever gonna happen to Loki. <laughs> no. Precious Loki. He gets out of every jam, every scrape. It's gonna be just great. Although, listen, we can say that, uh, Hiddleston has signed on to do a mini series for the Disney streaming service. So yeah. who knows when it's yeah. set? Yeah. Who knows when who knows? it's set, but, yeah, uh, but there it is. We're sure he's going to be fine. Uh, and I it's love fine. this whole thing of like, he's my brother. Oh no, no, no. Adopted. Yeah. Because he's, I don't know him. He's my brother. Well, yeah, adopted. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, <laughs> It's like, why are you not? I was, I was flying to the Bifrost. I got captured. I'm in this chair. Where's your chair? I didn't get a chair. I didn't get a chair. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where it cuts off. But I love this, like, the dialogue between Thor and Loki in this movie has been turned into, like, like this Bob Hope, Bing Crosby, like. Uh, the, the banter, rye banter, but also, like, they're brothers. Now. Yeah. It's this vaudeville. It's like this vaudevillian back and forth. Like, yeah. hey, you never believe the scrape we got into in Peoria. You know, like <laughs> set up and slam down. Yeah, exactly. and I love it. Um, so we I now know it. that Loki is there. He's in some sort of position of favor or power because that's what Loki does. And the funny thing is, like, how long has he been there? Two. He said two weeks. <laughs> yeah, two weeks, and he's like set up, set up. Two shop. weeks. He fucking landed in a trash heap. I'm sure, like everyone else. I was yep. just like, what? talked his way up to like the highest echelons of the Grandmaster Master. One day, I would like to yep. know the story of Loki's two weeks. Oh God, they should really tell. They should that. really tell that story. Uh, so that is That's that it. is ten minutes of Thor Ragnarok. It's ten minutes and only Another, Thor Ragnarok. And only we have never ever will never ever. Do you think Thor Ragnarok is a Christmas movie? 
Yes. Yes. Because yes. I watch it every day and that includes Christmas. Bingo. Bingo. That's exactly right. Nailed it's it. definitely festive. So festive. It's, you know what I think it's most like? The Sakaar bits are most like the Thanksgiving Day Parade. I can Maybe see it's that. a Thanksgiving movie. Thor Ragnarok is oh, a harvest you, movie. Have you ever uh, beheld the Mummer's Day Parade in Philadelphia? No. Oh, Do I even know sir. about this? What is a Mummer's Day? Uh, Mummer's, it's a, it's a Thanksgiving-ish parade. And uh, Mummer's are clown-like. Yeah. Yeah, just Google, Google it. Google some Mummer's. Everybody who's listening, Google Mummer's Day Parade and behold the, what I consider to be mild horror show. Parade. Yeah, Mummer's, like the first time I heard Mummer's was like a, it's like a Shakespearean, like yeah. clown, bard, traveling troupe. It's that, but a whole parade. It's just people from Philly dressed like Mummer's? Yep, yep. In various costumery. Saying yins? Yeah, yins, yous. Wow. Use, use, use guys throwing roast pork sandwiches. At oh, I'm looking at pictures of this and it is Sakar. Yeah, it's Sakar. It's very, it's very. That. I have to go to the Mummer's Day Parade. You, you come and, and I will join. All right. You. Will do. Uh, yeah. Hey. All right. Y'all, if you're enjoying this podcast about Thor Ragnarok, please do us a favor and uh, give us a rating or a review on whatever thing you listen to it on. If you don't know how to yeah. do that, just scream five stars out your window. Scream it. Yeah, if I put it in your pillow too. Sometimes your pillow will transfer it to the Yeah, other. whisper, this is the best podcast down a well and see if you anything a, whispers back. Yeah, yeah, that's what I always do. <laughs> you know, something always whispers back. Uh, you can always listen to the newest episode on ragnatalk.com. If you want to talk about Thor Ragnarok with us, uh, you can do so on Twitter. Twitter's a horrible place, but we're on it. I'm at A Carboni. Yeah. I am at Chuck. And you can also email grandmaster at ragnatalk.com. And don't ask about episode Never two. Never ask about episode Monsters. two. It's your fault. Your fault, people. <laughs> <laughs>